uh, single words, uh, words, many of them, uh, if not all of them, are almost synonymous with uh, the Christmas season. We began <clears throat> looking at hope and then love. Last weekend was peace. And today we are going to look at the word joy. We're going to focus in on joy. And to serve as my introduction to joy, I want to introduce you to a woman named Becky. Let me tell you about Becky. She's a local woman. She's from the Harrisburg area. She's a Christian. She's married. She has two kids, and she drives a minivan. Her husband works a ton of hours, so she spends a lot of time with the children. She's the proverbial soccer mom. She's a good mom. She's always carting the kids to and from soccer practice and dance recitals. But often she feels like an underpaid, often unappreciated, short-order cook because she's tasked with the job of making meals every day, you know, all day, every day, it seems. And there's always this unending supply of dirty dishes in the sink and laundry that she must contend with day in and day out. And she's proficient in fifth grade algebra because she also has another role, which is the on-call tutor when her kids are doing homework in the evening. So she serves her family at home. She serves her church family on the weekend because much is demanded from Becky. She has a lot on her plate. And frankly, she's tired. Becky is stressed out. She is worn out. But this is her life. And if someone was to uh, heap upon her back one more responsibility, Becky might just collapse. So maybe you know Becky. You might even be Becky. See, Becky is not a, an individual. It's not one person. Becky represents a larger group of people. Becky is the name given to the demographic that represents the target audience for contemporary Christian radio. This is what's known in the industry as, as, as a target audience. And, and the Christian radio stations make no secret of this. You could read about Becky online. So that's what they're trying to do is to play music that would appeal to Becky. Stressed out Becky the worn-out wife and mom who spends a lot of time in the minivan listening to her safe-for-the-whole-family Christian radio station. And so stations readily admit this. I mean, this is, again, this is, this is known in the industry. Some stations will even put up in the, in the, the radio station there a, a mock picture of Becky and tell the DJs, look at it, because that's who you're talking to. So you better keep the morning show banter lighthearted for her sake. Because Becky's close to the edge. And you don't want to do anything that's going to push her over or at minimum have her change the station. So they know what Becky wants and they're going to give it to her. What does she want? Safe, positive, uplifting music that won't add any more stress to her already stressed out life. She doesn't want to hear anything controversial. She doesn't want to hear anything that's going to raise any questions from her kids. 
She gets enough of those already. She doesn't want to hear anything challenging, because frankly, she has enough challenges already. Thank you very much. And she doesn't want to hear anything too theological, because she's got all those algebra formulas in her mind, and frankly, there's only so much room in there. So these stations, they won't do anything that Becky doesn't like. In fact, they're going to come to her with constant encouragement, reminding her time and time again that they are always positive, always uplifting. Now, I'm not trying to knock Christian radio whatsoever, uh, frankly, because there's enough of those people already out there. They do exist. Back in 2003, there's a musician who I'm kind of a fan of. There's a handful of his songs that I really like. His name is Chris Rice. And he wrote a Christian song about Becky. And, and I don't know how much airplay that this song got uh, back in the day because he's kind of taken a poke at Christian radio and Becky. So he's kind of taking a shot at them with the lyrics here. Uh, and let's see if, if you see it as well. I will read them rather than sing it, okay, for your benefit and mine. And I heard a thank you. Oh, boy, I tell you. Somebody knows me. All right. It's called Me and Becky. It's the name of the song. It goes like this. Becky has a house on Abundant Life Boulevard. A good name, good family, and butterflies in her yard. Becky loves Jesus and really wants to make him proud. She tears up in church and sings her harmonies loud. She's got a Bible by the bed, a prayer journal, and a fish on her car. She makes sure to bow her head and give thanks in every restaurant. But is that enough? Come on, Becky, let's go for a ride. If I'm driving too fast, then I apologize. But there's a world out there that we left behind full of souls as important as yours and mine. Looks like a reckless road and a sacrifice, and I'm crazy scared it may cost our lives. But then I remember Jesus died. So come on, Becky, let's go for a ride. All right, I said I wasn't going to sing, but once I heard the thank you, I'm singing. That's how I am. I'm rebellious like that. People ask, Mike, how come you're not in the choir? There you go. Exhibit A. But make no mistake, Chris Rice here is, he's making a run at Christian Radio here. And Becky's poking him in the ribs here. And maybe justifiably so. But like I said, I'm, I'm not here to criticize. I'm not here to make fun of and say that, you know, that, that this is not how it ought to be. Because I think there's a place for this Christian radio, this type of Christian radio. I really do. The reality is, life is hard. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of ugliness in our world. I mean, you compare this with some of the stuff you might hear on political talk radio or even sports talk radio with the constant debates that they're having. You know, the, the world is cold, and I liken these radio stations to like a warm blanket. And who doesn't like a warm blanket on a cold day? So again, I think there's a place for it. But I bring this up to say that due to all the busyness in our lives and all the stress in our lives, especially just a few days before Christmas, right? I mean, this is, this is high stress season. We got, what, three days till Christmas? 
We got to make sure we got all the presents bought. Are they all wrapped? What are we doing for food? Oh, we got those in-laws coming. We got all kinds of things that are weighing us down. And it seems to me like we as a society, not just the Beckys of the world, we're a little bit lacking in the joy department. And everybody wants joy, right? I mean, does anybody really say joy? So overrated. I'd rather be sad and depressed all the days of my life. No, we all want it, but it's, it's so elusive. Like, wh where do we find it? Uh, wh where do we get it? What does it look like? Once we got it, how do we hold on to it? Because it seems to just slip through our fingers. Do we need to continually pump contemporary Christian radio into our noggin to get through? Or is there another way? Where do we find the true, lasting, unchanging joy that we all seek? That's the question for today. Before we answer that, please allow me a, a quick sidebar here. Uh, I learned something this week. I want to share it with you. Sometimes, and I've heard this before, people will make a distinction between the words joy and happiness. We saw it briefly in the video, in fact. And it goes something like this. Happiness, it's an emotion. And it's it's temporary, and it's, it's fleeting, based upon circumstances. Meaning, there's a direct correlation between the amount of happiness you possess and the current circumstances you're facing in your life at that time. However, joy, joy is different. It's not fleeting. It, it remains. It's not dependent upon circumstances, because it is a gift from an unchanging God. And some people even downplay happiness to the point of calling it worldly, whereas joy, they would say, is divine. It's sort of like this. Just think about the words happy and joy. I believe that words carry connotations to them. If I was to say to you today, I'm happy. Like just the word happy. Happy. It sounds chipper and light. I'm happy, right? It's like a surface level emotion based upon the mood I'm feeling at the moment. But if I said to you, I got joy, like joy, just, just sounds deeper, richer. It's, it's, it's more substantial, solid, not hollow, like happy. <laughs> happy just rolls off the tongue where joy, that comes from deep within like from the bowels of my soul, wherever those are located. <laughs> now, I'm totally making this up. I am. But it sounds right, doesn't it? See, here's the thing I learned. This is what I'm not making up. If I was to ask each of us in here the question, is there a difference between the word joy and the word happiness, we would have mixed answers. I'm confident of that. I've done some informal surveys. The, the, uh, the eight grandmas that I have down at Greenfield Senior Living, I go down and do a Bible study on Fridays with them. I asked eight of them, is there a difference between joy and happiness? Four said yes, four said no. But here's the thing. Is there a difference between joy and happiness? Biblically speaking, no, there isn't. Now, make no mistake, there's truth in what I just said. You know, I described joy being a gift of God, Amen. And it's not dependent upon circumstances. True indeed, right? But we need to be very careful thinkers. 
And we need to submit every notion, including this one, to the authority of God's word. See, when people make the distinction that there's a difference between joy and happiness, you'll notice that the argument that they're making is not an exegetical one. And what I mean by that, it's not, it's not drawn from the scriptures, like I was doing with the happy and joy. That, I'm not getting that from the Bible. I'm just making that up in my deranged mind, okay? But when it comes to the Bible, words like joy, rejoice, happy, blessed, glad, delight, cheer, and merry, that's M-E-R-R-Y, those words are all used almost synonymously in the scriptures. They're like overlapping circles. And they're almost used in this completely interchangeable manner. So the Bible doesn't make the distinction that many people make when it comes to these words. And let me show you a few verses in Scripture to, to make the case here. So if we look in Esther, Richard, Esther chapter 8 says this, And in every province and in every city, wherever the king's command and his edict reached, there was gladness and joy among the Jews. Next one, Psalm 118. We're familiar with this. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Proverbs. Now, in the Proverbs, all the time, you see these Hebrew parallelisms. It'll state one thing, and then it'll, it'll kind of switch the words around, restate it another way, essentially saying the same thing. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise, a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Next one, Jeremiah 31. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. See, what has happened is people have, have erected an artificial wall between these words joy and happiness. But the Bible doesn't do that. It doesn't, it, there's no indication that we ought to divorce joy from happiness because they go together. John Piper agrees. He says this, If you have nice little categories for, for joy is what Christians have and happiness is what the world has, you can scrap those when you go to the Bible. Because the Bible is indiscriminate in its uses of the, of the language of happiness and joy. Now, I don't want to labor the point too much because what happens is you get heavy into things like linguistics and semantic domains, you know, range of domains, and, and, and you get into semantics and Hebrew and Greek and English, and those are some deep waters to swim in, and I'm not a very good swimmer. So I'm just kind of making the point here. If you, wanna, if you want to pursue this further, I would recommend a book written by Randy Elkhorn called Happiness. Uh, he lays it out there quite nicely. So the question for us here today isn't that we should seek joy over happiness. I think the question is, where do we find this joy and happiness that the scriptures speak of? Where do we find them and once we find them, how do we hold on to them? That's the question. So I said earlier, we all want them. We all want joy. We all want to be happy. And the uh, French thinker, Blaise Pascal, he once said this, 
all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both. This is the motive of every action of every man, even of those who hang themselves. See, even people who would commit suicide, they're, they're trying to escape misery and sadness in, in, in favor of finding happiness. And, and they think suicide is where it's, where it's at. That's, that's their conclusion that they come to. See, for many people, we look for joy in all the wrong places. They look for joy in the world. Think about the song, Joy to the World. We heard it earlier. Notice how it's not joy from the world. It's not found there. It's joy to the world. So what, what does the world have to offer us that makes these promises of joy in our lives? We, we could talk about a whole host of things. We, the world offers us pleasure. The world offers us positions of power. The world offers the praise of man. The world offers popularity and prestige. And a whole bunch of words that start with the letter P. I, I'm a fan of alliteration. I'm like a Southern Baptist preacher, except I'm from upstate New York, so go figure. But they offer us pleasure, power, popularity, prestige, and we could talk about any one of those. But I thought just days before Christmas, let's talk about a different P word, possessions. The Bible has a lot to say about possessions, our stuff. I'm going to get up in your business today and talk about your stuff and my stuff. These are the things that we can go down to the local mall and purchase, go to the factory outlet. We can go to places like Target and Walmart, Kohl's, JCPenney, throw down some money and walk out with some new stuff. That's what I'm talking about today. And that's where many people go to find joy. And I don't think there's anything more relevant to discuss just days before Christmas. Because in a matter of hours, you're about to acquire some new possessions. They're called presents. Every present with your name on it is a soon-to-be possession that you can add to what you already have. And the question is, will those things bring joy in your life? Many would say yes. I read a number of articles that support this. This one, feeling sad? Researchers say, go shopping because it really does make you happier. I don't know that I can say the word happy without my voice going up a number of octaves. I'm forever damaged, I think. <laughs> Simply put, they're, they're, they're putting forth something called retail therapy. Maybe you've heard of it. Kind of got coined with a, a, a woman, some of you have heard of her. Her name is Tammy Faye Baker. She's the wife of famous preacher Jim Baker, and she said, shopping is cheaper than a psychiatrist. She's known for that quote. But the reality is there's a con going on in our world. We're being sold a bill of goods, no pun intended. And I want to pull back the curtain a little bit and reveal what's really going on. This is fascinating. 
And, and in these articles, you know, some were surface level, some were deeper. And some of them got into what I've already kind of begun to learn a little bit is, is about our brain and how our brains function. They are intricately wired. They are a testimony to the creative genius of our God. See, the mere thought, the mere anticipation of receiving a new gift, a new possession, you're about to make a purchase, it does something in your brain. It gives you a quick buzz. See, there's these things called neurotransmitters, uh, called dopamine and serotonin, kind of fancy words. They, they go into the, the limbic system of our brain and they create a buzz, get a little squirt of these chemicals, and it gives you a pleasurable feeling. And that's what it is. It's a feeling. And we get confused and we think that this feeling is going to provide for us an ultimate experience. That's why people say, well, I will just, if I can just get fill in the blank, I'll be happy. I'll be content if I just get this or I just get that. But when you do get this or that, that feeling that you have, it's very short-lived. It does not last. That's why you have to keep going back to the well, I mean the mall, to keep those feelings coming. Time and time again, you gotta go back again, make more purchases, acquire more stuff to keep that steady stream of chemicals flowing into the pleasure center of your brain. It's true. It sounds complicated because the brain is complicated and it doesn't help that they give it a bunch of fancy terms that we, that we gotta wrestle with. But, you know, I was just thinking about people that say that our brains are process of, uh, you know, natural occurrences, that this isn't created. I have, to, I have to shake my God-created brain at that and be like, what is wrong with you? How could you possibly think that? How sophisticated our minds are. And that's what I'm talking about here today is our minds. I, I've had neurosurgeons Tell me personally, at uh, the famous Cleveland Clinic, I've been out there twice with my son with his epilepsy, and I've had them tell me, uh, it's just burned into my mind that they say to me, Mike, the brain is the final frontier of medicine. We're still trying to figure it out. You break your leg, we know exactly what to do. But with all those neurons firing and synapses happening, we're still working on it. And so in my frustration, I say to myself, yeah, that's because God is smarter than you. <laughs> I wanted to say that, but I didn't. I think I said something close to that, though. Full disclosure. Yeah, the wiring of our brains are crazy complicated. And, 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 it's, and it's hard to kind of break it down. So I want to I just ask you a simple question. We're going to do a quick pop quiz in your mind right now. Real quick, name a present you received last Christmas. In your mind, name it. Got one? Because I couldn't come up with one. I've been dwelling on this for two or three days. I still don't know. Like a shirt or something. I don't even know. See, if that does not speak to the fleeting pleasure that comes from acquiring more stuff, I don't know what does. That thing that we were so looking forward to receiving... We can't even remember what it is less than a year later. 
The truth is true joy, joy that lasts, is not found in more trinkets, more gadgets, more devices, more assets, more possessions, more stuff. And I would ask you, do you believe that? Because I'll confess, I struggle here. I do. I'm, not, I'm preaching to myself. Y'all are just collateral damage. I'm going hard at me, but I don't think I'm alone. See, I get captivated by the latest gizmo. Whatever it is that they're pushing, whatever it is I'm seeing on the TV, they, you know, they're, 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 they're advertising for this newest, latest thing. I'm totally captivated. And is this not marketing 101? All of advertising is built upon this to create within you and I dissatisfaction with what we already have. They show us that shiny new product. And they say, you got to have this. It does this and it does that. And I'm like, yes, it does. And like a mindless robot, I'm like, I must have that. Just like you say, I will go out and purchase it now. Otherwise, my life will be a complete waste. You know, I mean, I'm just like falling for it because I'm captivated by its allure. They show you phones that make you dissatisfied with the one you have, right? They're telling you, how could you possibly survive in today's world with an iPhone 6? I mean, what are we on now? Like 10, 11? Like, do those even work? What are you, a dinosaur? Not to mention the, the, the dude with the flip phone. I mean, forget about that guy. He is totally irrelevant, is he not? He's like, well, I can make calls with it, and, you know, I can even text. You know, I, yeah, I got to press the number seven three times to get the letter R, but it's like, okay, Grandpa. Okay, Boomer. Do you even text, bro? Do you even tweet? You, you, you got you to go to a computer to Google something? It's like you're living back in the 1900s, man. I suppose you churn your own butter too. How do you do laundry? Banging rocks together down by the river? Man, get with the times. You gotta have the newest and the latest, the best. You can't have the old model. You gotta run out and get Gadget X. And before you get Gadget X home through your door, they got Gadget X 2.0 in the pipeline on the way to the store. By the time you sit down and watch TV, you'll see a commercial for the thing that you just bought 2.0 and you're dissatisfied. Tell me this isn't true. They're, 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 they're offering us something that they cannot deliver on. But what are they doing? They're capitalizing and exploiting our sinful desires and that's what they are. Let's be honest, sinful desires of greed and covetousness, but they cannot deliver. So who are the most susceptible among us? The kids. The kids. If you and I get sucked into this black hole, how much more them? See, can we just be honest here? What are kids thinking about today? What, what, December 22nd. Are they thinking about that baby in the manger? Is it about what's in the manger or is it about what's under the tree? Downstairs, they might say Jesus, and I pray some of them do. I bet some of them do, but I'm kind of a realist. 
slash pessimist. I know the human condition. I know it. I don't know, it's, I don't know how it, they could focus on the greater thing, the greatest thing, which is Jesus in the midst of all the, the shiny stuff and the new toys they get to play with. You know, imagine this. Imagine this Christmas, before you gave your kids or your grandkids, your nieces and nephews, before you were to give them the presents you really bought them, what if you played a prank on them and gave them some really bad gifts? How would that go? It might go something like this. What's your what's your gift, Charlie? I don't like this. Wow. A battery and an onion. What's wrong? I don't want an onion. Did you smell your onion? Here, smell it. Marissa, what do you tell me all the time about my cooking? I love it. You love my cooking, so I made you something. Maybe on Christmas Day, Santa will bring you a car. <laughs> no, not that. Oh, wow. No broccoli. No broccoli. No broccoli. Hold it open so I can see it. Hold it up. Oh, it's a 3DS. And a Mr. Potato Head! That's what she wanted for Christmas! No, a 3DS game! This is not the one that we get used up today. It's so weird that you give us the award! I'm going to just do this away! That's what she wanted, Sean! You gave me the board to stop! And you guys are such the worst! <laughs> Keeps her armpits smelling good. She's gonna get hair. Are you happy? Do you like your Christmas present? I am. <laughs> for many of them, it's about the stuff. Except for that little girl. She's, she's adorable. Look at the joy on her face. That girl's got Jesus right there. My favorite is the kid who points to the potato. He got the best, and I got the worst. 
Oh, that makes me laugh every time. Well, what did Jesus say? In Matthew 6, Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Elsewhere in Luke 12, he says, Take care and be on guard, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. See, I don't care what it is that you have your eye on. I named all those other things pleasure and the praise of man and prestige and popularity. You know, all those P words, including possessions. I don't care what it is. You'll never be satisfied with those. And Proverbs, another P word, and the Proverbs tells us this. In Proverbs 27, verse 20, the eyes of man are never satisfied. I remember reading that and I was like, boy, that is so true. Once again, the scriptures nail it right on the head. That is true in my life. You know, and, and the reality is I, I had somebody who was another fan of alliteration come up to me after the service. He said, Mike, you know what you could throw in there as well? Another P word, pornography. He says, what, is, what does the porn addict say? Just one more time. Just one more time, then I'm done. And that's a lie. That is a total lie that people are being duped into. It's never going to provide for you what it is that, that you want, what you're looking for. It never, try as you might, lasting satisfaction and true joy is not found in what the world offers. You will always want more. So if it's not found in this world, perhaps we gotta go beyond this world. Maybe it's transcendent. Maybe it transcends this world. Maybe that kind of joy is what God offers us. And what does he offer us? The best thing ever, himself. That's what he offers us, the best present we could ever receive, him, God becoming a man, Jesus Christ being, coming to this earth, born in a manger in Bethlehem to fulfill a very specific mission, a rescue mission. That's what he did. He came on a rescue mission to seek and to save that which is lost. And my argument is that truth right there is where joy is found. It's found in knowledge and truth. See, we often think when it comes to joy, we think, we think emotions and feelings. And that's true. We are emotional beings. Make no mistake about it. We have feelings. No question. But those feelings often flow from what's going on in our mind. We must not neglect the role of the mind in all of this. That's why I spoke about the mind earlier. It all starts right here. Look at these Bible verses that emphasize the role of the mind in the Christian life. Very famous verse, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Romans chapter 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Colossians 3, 
Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And last one here, Luke chapter 10, and Jesus answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. We tend to think that mind and emotions function separately. And my point is they don't. They are connected. Our joy or lack thereof often stems from what's happening in the mind. And to, to prove to you that this connection exists, let me give you a rather unconventional illustration. It's Christmas Eve, you're home, you're in bed, all the presents are wrapped, you got foods ready to go for the next day, you've taken care of everything. You're laying in your bed completely at peace. You got the, the visions of sugar plums dancing in your head, okay? Your eyes are closed, completely at peace. However, there's a problem. There's a stranger in your bedroom. It's not Santa, it's a home invasion. But you have no idea. Unbeknownst to you, there's somebody in your bedroom, but you have no idea. But once your eyes are open to that fact and you realize there's a very clear and present danger, your emotions, your feelings, quickly go from complete peace to abject terror. Why? Because it, it became manifest in your mind of what was truly going on in that room. Now leave it to me to come up with a horrific example to make the point. I tried to think of something less traumatic, but I was like, that really gets the point through, and that's what I wanted to do. So that shows I didn't steal it. From, it's that bad, okay? Nobody would give that example three days before Christmas, so sorry for that. Uh, but we, to have joy, we must engage our minds and fill them with what? Truth. The truth of who God is and what he has said. What has God told us about himself, and what has he promised to those who love him? And there's a word that applies to both of those. It's a theological term. It's the term immutability. God is immutable, meaning he does not change. He is unchanging. He's solid, steady, reliable, firm, fixed. That is the character and nature of our God as well as the promises that he makes. Malachi 3.6, for I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, God is that solid, steady, unmovable rock that we can count on. Your emotions are, and feelings are a lot like mine. They're up and they're down, and they're all over the place. You're high, you're low, you're happy, you're sad. And relying on feelings is like trying to stand on shifting sand. But if we're trusting God and what he has said to us, it's like your feet are planted firmly on a solid rock. And you can trust everything that he says to us. And so what has he said that we possess in Christ. What do we have in Christ? We're talking about possessions here. Well, let's flip it a little bit and ask, what do we possess in Christ? What do we have in him? So I want to bring it to a, conclu a conclusion here by uh, sharing with you a compilation of promises in the word of God 
of what we have as believers in Jesus, as what we have. These are, these are for Christians. If you're not a Christian here today, welcome. I'm glad you're here, but these do not apply to you. Okay, the, the verses about wrath and outer darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth, those apply to you, sadly. This is for, I want to encourage my brothers and sisters here today. I want to encourage the church, and I hope that this will minister to you and fill your heart with joy. This is what you possess in Christ. You have complete forgiveness of sins. You have acceptance. You have friendship with Christ. You have redemption. You have adoption. You have life in his name. You have freedom from the law of sin and death. You have citizenship in heaven. You have fellowship with God. You have the righteousness of Christ. You have the light of God's truth shown into your heart. You have, the, you have peace with God, a peace that surpasses all understanding. You have hope. You have joy in the spirit. You have unity with fellow believers. You have protection from the evil one. You have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit dwelling within. You have him as a pledge guaranteeing your inheritance. You have the mind of Christ. You have the power to overcome sin. You have everything you need to live a godly life in Christ Jesus because you have a new nature. You have a new identity. You have a new owner. You have been bought with a price. You've been rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of Christ. You've been healed. You've been reconciled to God. You've been justified. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing and you have the right to approach the throne of God boldly to find mercy and grace in time of need and that's ultimately because you have Jesus, something that the world cannot offer you, anything close to him. You have that, Christian. That is yours in Christ. That is truth. That is what you possess in him. You can't buy that in the mall. You can't get that at the factory outlet. Walmart's got everything. They ain't got that, okay? Same with Amazon Prime. It ain't coming to your door like that. It's found in Christ. In fact, you can't buy it at all because it's a free gift. That's the best thing. We're paying money for these other trinkets. He says, I give it to you free. Are you hungry? Come and eat. Are you thirsty? Come and drink. Take the water of life free without cost. How good is this news? Go ahead. If you want to clap, I'll get a drink of water. If you have that, that does not compare with any other gift on the face of the planet. And none of it is possible without that little baby boy born in that dirty manger in that little town of Bethlehem. That right there, that truth, that will keep Becky from driving her minivan off a cliff, okay? And that will give you and I the joy that we're looking for. It's found in the unchanging character and nature of God and the unchanging promises that he has declared to us in his word. Let's pray. God, we all want joy. We all want happiness. We all want to feel good. But we go looking for it in places we ought not to. 
places that give us a momentarily, momentary light little pep, but you provide lasting, true, immutable joy that does not change based upon our circumstances. I think of uh, the account in um, Acts with Paul and Silas as they've been beaten and they're thrown in prison, shackled, hands and feet. And late at night, what do we find them doing? Praying, singing hymns to you with joy in their heart, such that others, the other prisoners would hear that. Boy, does that speak volumes. I pray, God, that we are people of joy, that we recognize what we have in you. Yeah, life is hard, and there are many challenges that come our way, but we, we can sustain joy in our lives if we focus on truth, the truth of who you are and what you have declared to us. May that be the rock-solid truth that we place our feet on because everything else is just quicksand, basically. God, I pray that for my friends here today. I pray that in my own life. Will you do that, please? We ask all that in Jesus' good name. Amen.